powerful name. It's the name above every name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Word of God tonight. We've got a lot to talk about. And God's acting and moving within us. Maybe He's going to show us some things. Amen? Amen. Turn to Acts chapter 14, if you will. We're going to cover two chapters tonight, 14 and 15. Acts chapter 14 is a traveling chapter, so they're on the move. So we're going to have a move. Uh, I'm going to have you read Acts chapter 14 at home. I'm going to just bring a synopsis. They entered into a city called Iconium, and they went into Jewish synagogues where they normally speak. great number of Jews and Greeks believed in that city. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers, Barnabas and Paul. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, and the Lord bore witness through His grace, granting many signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Can you see what's going on here? We've got two forces, two storm clouds that are starting to gather. And these two storm clouds are the deeds of darkness and religious spirits. Religious spirits of the Jews who don't want to accept Jesus as Messiah and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit where Paul and Barnabas are going to contend. They didn't wipe their, did you notice, they didn't wipe the dust off their feet with those who were opposing them. They went head to head. Sometimes you have to do this. Sometimes you have to have a battle. And many signs and wonders were being performed and miraculous. Now, if there's unbelievers, the Gentiles, there are the religious Jews who are opposing your message, and you're preaching a message, who are you trying to win? Who are Paul and Barnabas trying to influence and win? The Gentiles, the lost ones, they're trying to win those, right? Because the Judaizers are stopping that message. They want to win the ones who are lost. And so, uh, an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. So they're ready to kill them. So when they learned of this, they left. And they went to Lyconia, to the surrounding country, And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now they went to Lystra, and there was a man sitting who couldn't use his feet. He was crippled from birth, and he could never walk. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well. What does that look like? Have you ever witnessed to someone or talked to someone who is ripe for salvation, who is hungry for an answer? What does it look like? He looked and saw that he had faith. What do you think? Was he yawning? Was he like hit his arms crossed? What what does it look like? Excited, anticipating. He is hungry to hear. And he saw faith in that man. Right? Is there faith in this house? Is there somebody hungry? Is there somebody in need? Right? Somebody needs an answer from God. Someone's hungry for an answer from God. That's faith. And that's what we key in on. That's what we're looking for. I want to preach to that faith. When I'm talking, I want to talk to that faith. When you're praying for someone and you're holding their hands, you can tell when they check out. Right? You can tell when they're not interested. Yeah, whatever, whatever. 
But you can also tell when they're hungry. Right? When the fruit is ripe, that's, it falls off into your hands. And so, in other words, watching for that. And so many times, you know, we do have to contend other times. We're contending to win the loss, but there are times when they're ready. They're hungry. And uh, we need to watch for that. So everywhere we go, we have to be watchful, right? We're in a new paradigm. We're in a new program as the church. And I'm trying to train you to be ready in season and out of season. No matter where you go to work or where you go to shop, where you are at the marketplace, where you are in your neighborhood, keep your eyes open for every opportunity. Amen? And Paul saw this. He saw looking intently at him, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. So he said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Now, there was authority in that de- declaration, wasn't there? And he sprang up and he began walking. And when, he, and when the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices uh, saying in Lyconian, I don't know what that sounds like, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Here is Zeus and Hermes. So all they had to go by was their pagan beliefs. And they believed that Barnabas was Zeus and his, the guy speaking so much was his messenger, Hermes. Right? Greek mythology, Roman mythology. And, and so now they want to worship them as gods. And the gods had come down. Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul, Hermes. He was the chief speaker. And the priest of the temple uh, for Zeus at the city brought ox and garlands and uh, uh, wanted to offer a sacrifice Uh, on their behalf and the crowds were cheering and when Barnabas and Paul heard it they rent their tore their garments rushed to the crowd crying out hey why are you doing this we're just men uh, like nature with you we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in it. In past generations, He allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet He didn't leave Himself without a witness. He did good by giving you rain and heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts and gladness and food. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice. He's trying to preach. Nobody's listening. They've got their religious ways. So now we've got the religious ways of the Jews. We've got the religious ways of the pagans. And they want to worship Paul and Barnabas. They just totally miss the message. I think a lot of the world's missing the message. Trying to give them a message of grace. They don't understand us. We're trying to help them understand that that in God's ways there's health and healing and a right way to live. and, And they don't see it. They see it that we're hating them. They see it that we're judgmental. They see it that we're picking on them. And that's not the case. We, we love the lost. We were the lost. We want to reach them with this Gospel. But a mob mentality ensues. They won't receive the praise, so the people get mad. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Remember the time they wanted to stone them back there? Now they came to this city following Paul and Barnabas, and they want to stone Paul. They stoned him and dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. So if you think someone's dead after you hit them, what is stoning, by the way? 
throwing stones or pebbles? If you want to kill someone with a rock, what kind of a rock are you going to pick up? The heaviest one you can and the one you can throw. Where are they throwing it? At their feet? Where they, I mean, let's... The head. How many times do you think he got pelted? He's standing up. He's trying to convince these people. He's trying to tell them. He's trying to calm them down. Point them to Jesus. Is, is Paul all in? <laughs> Did he run? No, he's preaching. And all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. He's getting pelted to where he falls down. Boom. They're still throwing rocks. And it doesn't say that Barnabas pulled him out or his, his partners pulled him out to get him out of there. Who pulled him out to the edge of the city? The people. So they figured what? He's dead. He's dead. So they take him to the edge of town and leave him. So Paul's committed. Where's God in all of this? Where's God in all of this? I mean, I read promises of God. The angels will keep your feet from stumbling and protect you all the days of your life. He's my fortress, my high tower. Where's God in all this? God failed Paul. God looked the other way. God was busy somewhere else on the earth. Where's God? And He would let this happen? That we've jo- when Paul says we join him in our sufferings, in Philippians he says to complete the sufferings of Christ. So what Christians suffer is a fellowship of suffering. That's what Paul said. May I know him in the fellowship of suffering and in the power of his resurrection. That when we suffer, we are in fellowship with his suffering at the cross. It's all part of it so that we experience an aspect of Him that we are all wanting to stay away from. We're all blaming God for not being there when in fact He's inviting us into the depth of pain. That He, God Himself, has suffered. That's pretty heavy. We have to find God in it. Tell me, was Paul being stoned because he had a past sin that wasn't accounted for and God was judging him? No. Was Paul being stoned because he was rebellious or bad? Was Paul being stoned because God was absent? Why was Paul stoned? He was proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ. If I have been rejected, you'll be rejected. Conviction on the crowd. As a matter of fact, uh, let's put this on Paul. Paul stoned someone, didn't he? Who did Paul stone? Stephen. Yeah. And if you'll look at Paul's writings, he reflects on that over and over. He calls himself a blasphemer and a murderer. Was Paul being stoned because he stoned Stephen? No. Paul was willing to be stoned because he's been saved. He knew his salvation. Uh, But when the disciples gathered around him, He got up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. What happened? (laughs) So the people of the city said, stop throwing rocks, he's dead. So I'm thinking he's bleeding profusely. He's unconscious, limp, right? 
I mean, if, you know, I mean, Christian movies would make, you know, a couple rocks hit him. You, you know, reality is the man's busted and broken on the ground, dusty and dirty, and the mob gently, carefully picks him up. No, drags him out to the edge of the city and leaves him there. And then it says, his disciples or those with him, the believers came round about him. What do you think they're doing? Kicking him. No, yeah, praying, interceding. Oh, God. God. Now, what do we know about the prophecy over Paul's life? What is Paul supposed to do? Yeah, Jesus said you're going to suffer. Yeah, I don't want that calling. What else did he say about Paul? Where? Where was he going to be a witness? Well, he doesn't specifically say Rome. He says before kings and rulers. Had he spoken to any kings and rulers yet? No. Hold on to the promises of God, right? When you're praying, you have an unction for faith. Like Paul saw faith in that guy. He just told him, stand up because something connected. So they know with Paul, his calling, they heard you know, the stories of it. So they're praying, God, this isn't His time. This isn't the appointed. You have more for Him. And it says He gets up, and where does he go? Back into the city. And then he and Barnabas leave the next day. Why would you go back into that city? Man, if they thought he was a god by healing. <laughs> now, I mean, it's like, could you imagine him walking in? He went back because he wasn't finished. Yes, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium. So obviously it had a huge impact and uh, God had used them. Now, let's go on. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. You know what? I'll listen to a guy like that. Come and tell me that you have to face trials, you have to face tribulations, you've got to make it through. And, and he's speaking. And you've got to remember, as he's going to each city and each city, he's showing up with scars and bruises and patches and, and so forth, saying, we've got to hang in there, people. You're going to have to suffer through, but we're going to get through. I'm going to believe a guy like that. Right? as opposed to someone coming in their fancy duds and rolling up in a new chariot and showing up with someone fanning them. I want to follow someone that's, that's been there, that's doing it. And so this is quite a saying. We don't quote it very often. Though Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So are you ready for that? I'll, I'll keep going. When they, had appointed, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through these different cities when they had spoken, and they went back to Antioch, their home church. They were commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. When they arrived, the church gathered together and declared all the good things that God had done with them and how He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and they remain no little time with the disciples. So that's what happened uh, in their first missionary trip. Uh, remember who deserted them last week? Mark. John Mark. 
John Mark, remember? So it was volatile. I mean, you got all sorts of signs and wonders going on and so forth, but you got rocks and, and everything being thrown at you and all sorts of highly charged situations that John Mark said, I'm out of here. So Paul and Barnabas finished the missionary tour on their own, getting beat up, getting stoned, and then yet coming back with a great report of what God's doing. Now, what we don't read between chapter 14 and chapter 15 is an incident that happens between Paul and Peter. The incident. Turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. This is written at this very time. Paul is explaining what's going on. So in Galatians chapter 2, it's right before uh, Ephesians Alright, what happened in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11? Where are we? Here we are. When Cephas came to Antioch, right? So they returned from their first trip. Cephas comes down. Who's Cephas? Peter. The Apostle Peter. So the Apostle Peter comes down to Antioch. Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now he tells a story. For, for before certain men came from James, who's James? That's the brother of Jesus from what city? Jerusalem. You guys are very good. You got them all right so far. What happened to the other James, the brother of John? Killed by Herod. Right? You remember that? One of the key twelve apostles killed in the first innings of the ball game here. Is God in control or isn't He? He is. So this is James, the brother of Jesus, who became the lead pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And Peter comes down because James sent him to hear about the first missionary trip that Paul and Barnabas took. Okay? When they came, he withdrew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, Peter, so that even Barnabas, say it, even Barnabas, say it again, even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Barnabas was Paul's partner. And when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the Gospel, I said to Cephas or Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Now we've got a little family argument. Mom and Dad are fighting. Right? So here's the story. They're at Antioch. They have a church potluck. And so as they're all sitting around at the church potluck because Apostle Peter came from the church in Jerusalem, honored guest. So as they're sitting around having potluck, Peter comes in. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good to see you. Yeah, right. Hello. How are you? I'll sit over here with this group of Gentile believers. How you doing? I'm Peter. Yeah. 
been to Cornelius' house. I know God said, don't call anything unclean, this and that. They're eating together, having chicken, having all sorts of good stuff, some beans and all this. All right, and, and as that's going on, then the Judaizers come down. Now, these are the Jewish believers. When you hear that term, Judaizers, these are the Jewish believers who believe that Jesus is Messiah. But you have to follow all of the law. So you have to get circumcised even to come into the covenant of Judaism because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. They come in busting through in the potluck. Right? So as they come into the potluck, they want to sit down. So Peter sees the Judaizers coming from Jerusalem and what's he do? He gets up from the table of the Gentiles and walks over. Barnabas gets up. All the Jewish believers get up from that side of the potluck dinner and walk over here to where the Jews are. And what does old Paul have to say? Paul ain't going for it. So Paul gets in his face. Face to face, right? This turns the potluck into a real interesting time. Right? It's like a church business meeting. <laughs> Paul, now Paul, they say, is a short guy. My slide doesn't look that way. Well, we'll say that Paul's that short guy. But he was a lot older. They say Paul was bald. Uh, the description, the ancient descriptions, they said that he was short, bald, with a long hooked nose and a, a caterpillar on his brow. What does that mean, a caterpillar on his brow? Unibrow! So, little Paul gets up to Peter, who's the big burly fisherman, right? And he goes, dude, if you're going to live like a Gentile then don't you think you should put Jewish law on those who are Gentiles if you don't even live it? Now, should he have called Peter aside to a private meeting to you know, give honor to the apostle? He's the head chief apostle. Should he have maybe done this somewhere else? What do you think? All right, so this way, this was a public incident, wasn't it? And you've got a group of Gentiles over here that all of a sudden feel abandoned. And so you're saying address it so that they can hear it. Yeah, I mean, we've got to care for the flock, don't we? Isn't it interesting? What did Jesus tell Peter to do when He asked if He loved him? Feed My sheep. Don't abandon them. This is kind of a, a classic rule in Scripture and in discipline and church leadership. If it is public sin, it needs to be publicly rebuked. If it's a private sin, you deal with it privately. Okay? But when leadership publicly sins, there needs to be public confrontation or accountability so that everybody could see no one's getting away with it. Does that make sense to you? All right. So, wow. That's a contention. But what, you know what gets me worse than this? 
Now, Peter had the Cornelius event. Have any of you caved to the peer pressure? Anybody here caved to peer pressure? Right? That's what happened to Peter. Peter got, Peter caved when it was a little girl by the fire. Didn't he? This is good news for us. Because <laughs> we're no different. Do you believe God will give you a second chance? Yes. How about a third chance? Yes. But yeah. Yeah. Peter messes up again. But what gets me is Barnabas. Barnabas. Who was Barnabas? Paul's buddy. Paul's partner. Barnabas helped Paul get up after he got stoned. Paul saw all that went on. Mark, I'm wondering now some of the conversations maybe Barnabas had with his nephew Mark. Barnabas is a little bit wavering. He's also, look at what it says about Barnabas. What does it say? So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Whose hypocrisy? Peter and the Judaizers. He was even led astray. In other words, they were very convincing. Barnabas saw the hand of God move. Barnabas saw God reaching out to Gentiles to be saved. God saw the Spirit move and, and so forth. But yet, another good argument. How many of you waffle like that? I do. How many of you know for sure the things of God and then you read an argument or you hear one and you're going like, oh, oh, oh. And you got to research and look and it's like, no, 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 I knew that wasn't right. So even Barnabas. Now, this happened. It rocked the church world in Antioch. So now we've got leadership opposing leadership. We've got a church fight and, and something going on. And and the last we hear is Paul's words, if you though a Jew live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. He goes on to teach in Galatians. Go back to Acts 15. Now, we don't know what happened from that event to the Jerusalem council. But I think they worked it out. What I really think happened is Peter repented. And I'll show you why as we get into Acts 15. And I think Barnabas was restored back to his partnership with Paul. Okay? We shouldn't write people off. Okay? Even when people sin. They say Christians are famous for killing their wounded. You know, we're all trying to uphold this holy standard, this holy standard in righteousness, and when someone sins, as we're trying to uphold it, we, we're angry at them. We're mad. They betrayed Christ and betrayed us. We trusted you. And we kick them while they're down. And, but they sin no different than like we sin. So Peter repented. I'm sorry, I got it wrong. And Barnabas 
got restored and probably talked to Paul to get the teaching right and, and get the wrong doctrine out of his head and, and get it right. Did he lose his position? Did Peter lose his position as apostle? Did Barnabas lose his position as the partner with Paul? No. You restore, you work it out, you try to keep going. Now, verse, chapter 15 of Acts, verse 1, But some men came down from Judea were teaching, Brothers, unless you're uncircumcised according to the custom of Moses, you can't be saved. That's what happened at Antioch. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. All right, you're putting it together? This happened at Antioch? Now, hey... Let's find out what headquarters believes. So what's going on right now is we are at the place where the church must now make the biggest decision of its life. Will Christianity stay a sect of Judaism or will it become its own identity as fulfilling Judaism? Is Christ to be brought in under the law? Or is Christ fulfilled the law and abolished it? This is a huge discussion. They say, look it, you guys got to go to Jerusalem. We've got to get this straightened out. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, Samaria, describing in detail the, the conversion of the Gentiles, which brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. God, help us understand the conflict. Help us understand the blood, sweat, and tears involved in the Gospel. Help us understand fighting between ourselves. Help us understand failing each other. Help us understand that even in spite of ourselves, you continue to grow your church. We fail each other. We fail you. But you never fail us. You will steer us in the right direction. I pray for anyone here tonight that has been wounded by a church. I pray for anyone here tonight that's been hurt by another brother or sister. Or maybe someone here who's been hurt by leadership in the church. I pray for your healing and your restoration. I pray for anyone here who feels that they've canceled their ability to be used by God because you've made a mistake. You said the wrong things. Maybe you've sinned. If there's any lesson tonight, God uses us. God restores us. And God will get His way in our lives. I pray that you'll be healed. I pray you'll be restored. I pray that, like Paul, you'll get back up and go back into the city. That's a word for someone here tonight. Get back up. You've been knocked down. You thought you were dead. Get back up and go back into that city. Be restored in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God.